Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Trans Questioning Podcast. This is episode 22, and I'm your host, Sarah. So, in my timeline, it is June 21st, 20, 21st, 21st, 2018, at 2.42 p.m., and I have been on HRT for 10 whole damn days. Sorry for the curse. So HRT is pretty fucking weird, I guess. I can't tell if much has changed. I've been recording little snippets of myself with my little field recorder walking around the house or laying in bed, just working through my thoughts about being on HRT and trying to figure out, you know, is anything changing? Am I a different person yet? What's happening? So we're going to give those a quick listen and then I'll be back to discuss some of those thoughts and how things have changed since then. So, yeah. Hello, everybody. So it is 12.30 at night, midnight 30, and um, technically June 15th, but I haven't slept yet, so it's Thursday, uh, June 14th. Um, and yeah, so today was day four, yes, because that's how many days into the week Thursday is, uh, yeah, so four days on HRT, and I've been trying to track any sort of progress whatsoever, and... Uh, I don't know. It's hard to say if there's any appreciable psychological difference. Obviously, four days is not long enough for any kind of remotely physical response to show. Uh, a lot of people seem to describe like the, their their skin softening within a couple of weeks. Uh, so. Physical physical responses are actually fairly early on in the process, but a lot of people also describe the sort of fog lifting after a certain point. So I've been paying attention to my psychological state over the last few days, trying to see if I can notice a difference, and I feel better right now. But it's impossible to say at this point whether that's because the medication is helping or because the fact that I am on the medication is making me feel good about things where it's like a placebo effect and then, you know, a few months down the line, once the novelty is worn off, it's like, oh yeah, everything is still terrible. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so yeah, nothing... nothing enough yet to uh, signal to me that it's very clearly HRT having its effects. Um, and I'm not even up to full dosage yet. Uh, I'm going to be tomorrow, but yeah, so not much has happened yet as far as I can tell, uh, besides just sort of a newfound confidence given the fact that I have started it's sort of an interesting feeling like it's you just 
I don't know. Once you, once you have the pills, it's it's suddenly it's no longer hypothetical, and the whole thing's kind of taken out of your hands, uh, and then you don't have to worry about it anymore. There's no more room for all of this whinging about am I, aren't I? Because uh, now it's like, well, I have to, I'm taking the pills anyway. I fucking paid for them, so I guess we'll deal with the repercussions of that one way or the other. Um, yeah, other than that, um, I had my fifth laser hair removal session yesterday and I talked to my, uh, the, the technician there about like, okay, so I've had four so far and I've seen very few results and, uh, she, Agreed, and uh, we we took a slightly different approach, although it's one that a different technician took in the past, where she lowered the the intensity of the laser and uh, uh, spent a lot longer going over my face. And this was one of the most pleasant sessions I've had so far. it only got a little bit uncomfortable around my chin area, which is always the most sensitive. Uh, weirdly enough, my uh, my my mustache has is is not really sensitive at all to laser, which is not what I was expecting. Anyway, um, hopefully that has a good effect. Um, I obviously won't be able to have my fifth my sixth laser session until august because i'm going to be out of the country through the month of july and speaking of which jesus that's like two weeks away and i am barely prepared holy fuck whoo um let's see is there anything else I don't think there's anything else. I think I think that's good. No no developments as yet. Um I have not sprouted wings. I have not shed my body hair. I have not grown six extra pairs of legs. Jesus, that's so many legs. Alright, I'll be back later with more updates. Alright, so it is Sunday, June 17th at 2.42pm. I'm walking around my house. Uh, Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Oh god, the air conditioner is so loud. Oh, this is a horrible choice. Oh, I'm so sorry. Ah, I forgot that it's louder the closer that you get. I'm just going to have to walk around in the circles. All right, so it's Sunday, which means it's day six? Day six. That's how math works, right? Because Monday will be day seven. Because that's how long a week is. Oh, boy. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how calendars work. Anyway, it's it's a day. Um, Nothing really to report... <laughs> Oh boy, it's like uh, uh, I'm an insurgent in, a, in an enemy force observing their behavior. Um, 
like the uh, the the picture of the dog wearing soldier's uniform in like Russia in the the late nineteen the the early nineteen hundreds. Like day forty two, they don't realize that I am dog. Anyway, um, yeah. So it's day six, <laughs> and or would it be day seven? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, so it's day seven. Okay, yeah, it's day seven. I'm sorry. This was stupid. Anyway, it's day seven. Um, let's see. Uh, I have kind of an unfortunate um, contraindication. Is that? No, that's not right. I don't know. So I'm, I've, I jumped back on my diet, which for those who don't know is uh, basically just a ketogenic diet, very basic sort of. Uh, low carb, high fat diet. Um, uh, basically, just to get myself in, in in a good place before going to Italy, because I know I'm not I'm not going to go to Italy and then be like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to have carbs. Um, but so, one of the things about uh, switching over to uh, uh, what, what makes a ketogenic diet effective? And I swear I'm not going to go into this because this is not what this podcast is about. But basically it has to do with um, switching your body's primary fuel source from carbohydrates to uh, fat, essentially. And there's like a week long-ish transition period where you've cut carbs and your body is like oh god where do i get my energy from and then it starts developing ketones which break down bo- uh, uh, fat uh for energy um and then that's why it helps with weight loss and like i lost like 60 ish pounds last year um and uh yeah so uh that week of of uh, uh, transitioning from one fuel source to the other is often called the keto flu because you feel very tired. Uh, you'll frequently have headaches. Uh, it's it's kind of an exhausting time. Um, I have done it so many times that I kind of know the drill. But uh, two days ago, uh, I woke up with such a bad headache and. Uh, I spent most of the day just, like, in bed. Actually, no, was it yesterday? Fuck. I don't remember time. I think it was yesterday. Um, yeah, because I watched HBO all day. Yeah. So I um, uh, 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 I had the worst headache, and I couldn't figure it out. So I decided to, uh, uh, to, to look into stuff, and I realized uh, the reason why this was so much bad, so much worse than I've ever had it, uh, because... Uh, so the antiandrogen that I'm taking, spironolactone, um, as anyone will tell you that it makes you have to pee more, which it does. Um, on that note, it's true. I, I do have to pee more, but as someone who already kind of probably <laughs> had to pee more than average, it's actually not that big of an adjustment for me so far so i don't know that's that's gratifying that's that's it's nice to hear because that was one thing i was very worried about is like 
oh god, will I not be able to sit through movies anymore? I don't know. Anyway, um, uh, as a result of that, your body doesn't absorb salt as well, and despite fear mongering about salt, uh, sodium is an essential chemical for uh, your body and brain to function. So when you're not absorbing sodium in your system as well as you uh, should be, uh, you start developing headaches. And uh, the same is true when you're switching over to a keto diet. Your sodium levels are low. So that's why any guide that you read will say, hey, uh, um, first week you'll probably want to drink like a glass of chicken broth before you go to bed, which sounds disgusting. And it's not as disgusting as it sounds. Um, But also, probably inadvisably, I tend to just put a bunch of salt in water and mix it up and drink it. I don't know. Um, The long and short of it is that, especially in the first week, you need to compensate uh, with a lot of sodium. So I switched to a diet that naturally makes uh, my... Uh, sodium levels lower at the same time as starting a medication that naturally makes my sodium levels lower. So I woke up yesterday with a killer headache uh, and I was unable to like, like I got up and I made breakfast, uh, not breakfast, coffee. <laughs> yeah, I, I make breakfast. Come on, get out of here. This is 2018. And uh, basically, I like I stood around for a minute and I realized like I can't do shit. And then I crawled back into bed, um, and I uh, consumed a lot of salty food in that time. And eventually, after like four hours, I felt okay, but I was still pretty tired most of the day. So yeah, that was fun. Um, so my advice is don't do that. Don't. Uh, don't do that. Yeah, don't do those two things at the same time. Or do. I don't know. It's fine. I'm not dead yet. Um, yeah, so as far as emotional effects, still not noticing much. Um, yeah, I think I've been... I was really emotional yesterday. Um, I woke up with a scene from the... Uh, the the Brie Larson film Room in my head and I decided to watch Room and Room is a very good movie you should watch it if you haven't um, and I cried through a lot of it but that's that movie I cried through a lot of it the last time I watched it which was well before I was on HRT um, yeah so I haven't noticed any specific effects as of yet um yeah, and that's fine. I did. I the the it is this fun thing of like, where when is the when when am I gonna feel like a different person? Oh God, what's what is it not working on me? I don't know. Oh no. Um. Uh. But everything that I've looked up in my panic is like, yeah, the timeline for the earliest effects is still like, you know, within the first three months, and I haven't even done a week yet so it's fine it's fine one thing i did learn uh that i have yet to talk to my psychiatrist about which i need to is that apparently there is a weird interaction between estradiol and lamictal which if you're uh bipolar 2 like me or i don't know i guess lamictal is just used for for a couple of different antidepressant purposes um 
but they actually have uh, 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 they do this to each other where um, Lamictal uh, reduces the efficacy of estradiol and estradiol reduces the efficacy of Lamictal so the two actually reduce uh, how much of the other is absorbable by the, the intestines um, and so that's something that I need to talk to my psychiatrist about. Um, and that could very well be why I've been more emotional the last few days, because whenever my uh, Lamictal doses fluctuate, I get emotional. So, yeah, there you go. I don't know. Um, yeah. Right now, I'm, uh, until I can get in to see him, I'm just trying taking things at different times of day. So... I guess we'll see. I don't know. Um, this has been your update. This one, these are these are probably going way too long. I want these to be like little vignettes, but this one is ten minutes long. Have a fun ten minute vignette. It's at the end of the, ah, fuck. See you soon. So it is one thirty four a.m. Uh, technically now Tuesday, June nineteenth. Is that correct? Um, yeah, not much to report, I guess. Um, I don't know. It's really strange trying to observe your own changing emotional landscape while you are living in it. I, um, spent a lot of the last couple of days watching TV, really enough. Um, getting caught up on the second season of, of Westworld. Watched the first season of Barry, which is very funny. If you haven't seen it. I don't know. I've been feeling irritable, sort of restless, tired. I don't know. It's hard to know how much of this is like hormones turning the key and how much of it is just what I was already feeling. I don't know. I've got a video that I'm working on that I haven't made a lot of progress on, so maybe once that's done, I'll have like a an easier time. <laughs> feeling positive emotions. I don't know. I'm having this thought like I was romanticizing the idea of, you know, hormones uh, opening up the, uh, the my emotional range and inherently sort of thinking, okay, so I have depression and I'm bipolar too. So really it'll just help me. I, I don't know. I, 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 I took that into a very specifically positive direction of like, I want a wider range of emotions, which I do. But I think I was a little bit naive in how I envisioned it because if how I've been feeling lately is any indication, it is a full 360 degree spherical expansion of the whole dimension of emotions. 
um, which I still think is a good thing. I guess it's really that at this point I wanted to feel like unambiguously good, and I don't. And it's like trying to figure out why just doesn't make sense because maybe I was already feeling this way. I don't know. I, it's hard to observe yourself. And again, like at this point, it's been a week. Maybe, God, I don't know. You know, maybe it's just in my head. I don't know. Well, either way, it literally is in my head. <laughs> Um, but I read a, uh, uh, you know, I do frantic Googling as always. I think I even talked about this on Sunday that, um, just now I was like, when do people feel the emotional side effects? And one person talked about the uh, AC just kicked on. One person talked about them, um, you know, after two and a half weeks, one person says, like, oh, it hit me after two and a half months. So, again, the running theme of whatever this compilation episode is going to be is just, it's different for everybody and it takes time. Be patient. Ugh. And we're back. I'm coming at you live from day 10. So how have things changed? I still don't know. I'm still unsure. I think maybe I'm more emotional. I feel like I have a higher capacity to deal with people. Maybe. I'm not sure. I can't tell. If there are changes, they're very subtle. I I don't know. Maybe that's the thing is that there are lots of little things that I'm... Here's the conundrum. How often do you as an individual pay attention to the way you think and the way you react to things and how you feel like in every single minute situation? Because I I consider myself a pretty mindful person, but even still, 90% of the time, I'm not really giving a shit. I'm just sort of going about my life. But since starting HRT, it's like every little thought, like, is this... Is this different? Is this because of, because of hormones? What does it mean? What does it mean? It probably doesn't mean anything. I don't know. It doesn't change most things. It just changes something. I don't know. It feels like there's something in my brain that is different. I feel less... It's, it, it's hard to ex- explain, hard to describe. It's like there's less pressure inside my brain i'm not sure um the best that i can describe it thus far is sort of pleasant there's just like a pleasantness to existence at the moment and i don't know if that's because of any number of other life choices or if it's because i'm taking hormones i don't know let's see Is my skin softer? I don't know. 
I think maybe it's a little bit, but it's probably a little bit too early for that. Some people, that's one of the other symptoms, symptoms, side effects that people describe really early on when they start HRTs, your skin gets soft. And I think maybe it's softer. I don't know. I can't, I can't tell. I, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like me just slightly different. And I don't know if that's because I always feel slightly different because identity isn't static or if it's because I'm taking hormones. I don't know. I'm so sorry that this is such a non-committal like shrug of the shoulders, but it has been 10 days. So yeah, I will probably have a lot more to say about HRT after more time has passed. So yeah, the the journey of paying attention to myself continues. I when the Jesus, the next time you hear from me, I will either be I physically in whatever the present tense timeline will be at that moment. I will be in Italy. I don't know if the episode that goes up will have been recorded in Italy. Probably the next one after that will have been. But yeah, some after more time has passed, it will be I'll probably be more decisive. Uh, I will just say that it's very easy to start getting really down and like, oh God, oh no, this whole thing is bullshit. Uh, because you know, you take your the first pills and suddenly you're not who you want to be, you know? Um but like everything else, it just takes time. And I've been reflexively Googling what different people say about their timelines. And of course, it's wildly different from person to person. Some people talk about uh, not really seeing any particular side effects, uh, even psychologically, for a, more than a month into it. So, yeah. It's frustrating, like everything else. It's just infuriatingly subjective. So if you're in this boat with me, just just keep on keeping on, and it'll be okay. And don't worry about it too much, because now is a fictitious concept of Western imperialism anyway. All right, we're going to talk about Drop the Tea in a second. But first, here's me... So I got an email from a listener a few days ago, and it just says, I just wanted to thank you for putting out this podcast. I just listened to your first episode last night, and so much of what you said is exactly how I've been feeling. I only started actively questioning my gender identity a couple of days ago, and I wasn't finding very many stories about people uh, who described feeling the same way I am. Anyways, thank you so much. And that is from Peter. And I just want to say thank you so much, Peter, for your for your compliment and your taking the time to send me an email. I know it's kind of self-aggrandizing of me to to read your complimentary email on the air, as it were. But I just want to say that that's sort of kind of the whole point of the podcast, that I didn't see anybody telling stories that were like mine. And so I wanted mine out there because if I had seen or heard more people talking about their their experience being transgender 
that was close, more closely aligned with how I experienced it, I probably would have come out a decade earlier than I did. So I'm very glad that at least one person uh, took felt compelled to take the time to send me an email uh, telling me that this podcast has helped in some way in doing exactly that. So to that end, um, that's a, just a great way to segue into the fact that there is an email that you can send this transquestioningpodcast at gmail.com. If you have questions or thoughts or stories that you'd like to share, really just just any dang old thing about being trans or non-binary or queer or person of color or any sort of odd, not odd, that's the wrong word, queerness, any sort of societally queer aspect of identity, please, please email me at transquestioningpodcast at gmail.com. And I'll probably read it on the show unless you don't want me to. Uh, maybe we can talk about it. I'll probably send you a reply and be a good place to start off discussion on the show. So there's that. I also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash LTAS, where you can go to follow me on updates about both this show and my YouTube show, where I make videos about movies and video games and other garbage Right now, in uh, July and August of 2018, the, uh, uh, the, the Patreon campaign is paused because I just don't have enough time to make anything. I'm going to be out of the country for all of July, and then I'm going to be working on a lot of logistical things in, in August. So I can't guarantee that I'll be able to put out any really solidly good video content uh, in those two months, but there's all kinds of good little behind the scenes things that are up there for patrons at different backer levels. And you'll still get access to all of those things, even if you're not charged, you know, and you won't be, uh, until, uh, September. So you can go there, find updates about this show. Of course, this podcast will not be interrupted by my travels. Uh, and yeah, uh, support me if you like. Otherwise, you know, check me out. HMS No Fun on Twitter. I don't know. Trans Q Podcast on Twitter. Yeah. All right. Back to the show. Thanks. So this particular topic might be a little bit uh, passe. I don't know if that's the right word. Uh, not in the news anymore. Not relevant. I don't know. The, this was something that I meant to talk about on the last episode, but my <laughs> surprise HRT gift sort of threw me for a loop there. So I didn't end up including uh, this this conversation topic. But uh, I, I still feel like it's relevant because even if this particular hashtag has not uh, kept up steam, um and its blatant stupidity has been, you know, pointed out to the point where nobody can be taken seriously with it anymore. I still think it's worth talking about because it points to something very relevant and very important. So we're talking about hashtag drop the tea. So it's Pride Month. It's 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 June of 2018. 
And Pride Month is when all of the wonderful queer people come out and say, look, we're proud for who we are. And then the rest of the world has to say, great, or else we throw bricks at them. Boy, that sounds like I'm being real dismissive, huh? Anyway, as you can imagine, hashtag drop the T is basically saying, hey, look, LGBT, we should get rid of the T because transgender people aren't queer. They shouldn't be proud. They should be excluded from pride. So I don't think I really need to go into like a a whole thesis about why that's a dumb idea. I think it's important to examine the sort of epistemological separations that are going on here uh, between um, where what, what what's going on is that there's there are people who are trying to separate uh, sexuality from gender identity and saying that those are two different categories of queerness and therefore. Uh, T should not be under the umbrella of LGB, which, you know, gives a lot of uh, 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 homosexual people uh, who might otherwise be transphobic, you know, license to be openly transphobic because up until now, the the transgender aspect has been wrapped up in LGBT. Um, So they might lose face with their friends for expressing being uh, against trans people or thinking the trans people have a mental illness. And so if we drop the T, then they don't have to worry about that. You know, it's a nice little bit of rhetorical synergy. It's great. I love it. But there, there's... I, I, I dug through and found... A bunch of people talking about this, um, it was like giving their justifications for why we should hashtag drop the T, because you know trans people have a mental illness. They're we're all sexual perverts. Uh, we make a we make the rest of the queer community look bad. That sort of thing, and you know this is it's it's silly and it's such a small thing. I probably only even noticed it because it was an a virtually microscopic little movement or wave even that one person that I follow picked up on and ranted about. And then I picked up on it from them and ranted about it too. But it's still, there's something about it that still feels real and attached to an actual conflict that will probably keep coming up for a very long time. So we're living in a moment in the U.S. Uh, uh, maybe this is sort of being revised, but it it has felt up until very recently that like being gay is fine. Um, that there are some people in government who are trying very hard to reverse that, but it seems like the vast majority of the American public is a okay with queer people. Uh, you know, we had marriage equality some years ago. And at this point, it's kind of amazing how fast it's happened that we've switched from uh, outright joking homophobia to sort of proud acceptance. I mean, the way that I'm thinking about it right now is that I remember uh, when Adventure Time wanted to do a uh, uh, an episode that showed Marceline and Princess Bubblegum 
uh, kissing and Cartoon Network vetoed that. And now we have Steven Universe, which is just nonstop girls kissing and hugging and becoming girls with each other. All sorts of gender and sexuality stuff going on there. Um, so that's only been in the last few years. It's it's changed really fast. So there is a very open acceptance for what we could call cisnormative heterosexuality, uh, homosexuality, cisnormative homosexuality, which means we're looking at, you know, when when I'm going to speak from my own sort of general uh, understanding of uh, how people are accepted in the world, I guess, and not try to turn it into a, a, a broad universal thing. But so my sense is that when when we think of you know the a gay person we think of sort of the the queer eye sort of stereotype like the the white guy who works out who's wearing fancy clothes usually white or tan has nice hair and is very friendly and everything and with 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 lesbians it's sort of um Yeah, sort of the butch, like, uh, uh, plaid kind of look that is probably really offensive. I think probably the whole thing is kind of offensive. Any stereotype is frustrating. But the um, we, we see that and it's like, oh, yeah, they're just, you know, they're just like us. They're gay people, whatever. But um, as you get more minute, it gets more difficult to for acceptance. So... I think when it comes to society at large, there is a uh, um, an incentive to embrace a certain element of new cultural developments uh, or divergent cultural developments. So there came a point at which our culture could no longer survive uh, excluding queer people from everything. And so there needed to be some kind of embrace, but it was, but it's easier on a systemic level to sort of take the, the most acceptable visually appeasing, appealing version of that and make it the, the poster child of the whole subculture, I guess, and then assume that that just defines the whole thing. So now, you know, even though you're very, you're very, you're way less likely, although it's by no means impossible, um, to, you know, be disowned by your family for being gay, that sort of thing. But culturally, if you start dressing up in a weird way, if you start doing sort of like a gender queer appearance, um, you know, then, then, then you start getting weird eyes from people. Um, I think there's something about the way that, you know, as far as homosexuality lines up with, uh, cisnormative society, it's totally acceptable because it looks the same and 
it's it it gets everybody to shut up, right? But for me, one of the most appealing elements of questioning one's gender is realizing that the clothes that you wear are a performance and that there's no such thing as men's clothes and women's clothes. And it's all just fabric. And like anybody can put makeup on, anybody can do anything that they want, and it's totally fine. But it says a lot that this very simple, harmless thing threatens some kind of hegemony. And when we step outside, if I were to step outside right now wearing a dress, uh, I would probably get looked at very weird, uh, if not outright yelled at or threatened by strangers because of how I look, how my body is not feminized. I have a lot of facial hair still. So... Yeah, why why do people notice that? Why do people feel compelled to see when they see somebody who is breaking some kind of gender norm? Uh, why do they feel compelled to yell about it and be like, "Oh, you! Uh, that makes me so mad." Uh, and there are a million theories as to why, but for my money, it has to do with the the, the power of hegemony where. When you're on top and when everything you do feels normal, it's like, I worked for all that I have and everything that I am is a choice. But when somebody else does something that you would think is unthinkable, it look it teases at the idea that maybe not everything that defines you was your choice. This is something that's been on my mind and it's sort of a unfinished thought. So we're going to shelve that and move on to something and move on a little bit. But so when I, coming back to the 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 hashtag you have now a, a fairly sizable chunk of the queer community that has reached a a level of almost parity with their cisgender peers and these are the these will be the queer people who uh you know, they, they fit in, they look, you know, they look pretty, they behave well, they dress well, they exercise, that sort of thing. And that's not even necessarily true of everybody, just as long as they fit the sort of visual mold, as long as they, they fit in, right? They've, they've reached some kind of acceptance and normalcy um, in the, the wider popular culture. But then you have trans people and genderqueer people who have by no means reached that acceptance. If anything, acceptance has backpedaled quite a bit in the last few years. And so you'd think that solidarity would obviously follow, but it it doesn't necessarily, because now this person will, will, will craft a hypothetical uh, homosexual cisgender man, and we will call him Jim. And Jim, you know, just is he grew up and maybe he wasn't like super persecuted, but he got bullied for being for being gay. He got he got called all kinds of mean words and he grew up and he had a hard time, but he came out and now he's happily in a relationship and he's out at his job and everybody's cool with it. And he just gets treated like a normal person. It's great. Um, But now. You know, there are trans people who are demanding similar recognition. You know, please don't gatekeep our drugs. Let us 
change our gender markers and identify however we please. Let us dress and experiment with clothes without being harassed or murdered in the streets. You know, little, 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 little nice little suggestive sort of, you know, this would be a good little cherry on top of the cake of life. But um, instead of feeling solidarity with that, with that trans person, uh, Jerry looks around, he sees all of his friends around the water cooler that he has at his job uh, at the office, the proverbial office of the office. And he's hearing his friends who don't even see him as a gay person anymore. They just see Jim and they're 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 talking about something and they're like, oh, these trans people, they're a bunch of weird freaks. You know, they just they mutilate themselves and they. Uh, I saw a trans person walking down the street the other day and it just made me mad. It's so weird. I don't get it. What's wrong with them? Now, Jim in this situation is suddenly realizing that his sexuality is under the exact same umbrella as the the, the a transgender person's gender, LGBT. It's it's it, it they're right next to each other, right? So, if that comes up, and if Jim, you know, tries to defend trans people, suddenly he he ceases to be just another person. He ceases to be Jim. He becomes oh well, you're just sticking up for that person because you're because you're gay. So he's just he's just gay again. He's just like that's what he is. Like oh you don't, you're only it's not about you know transgender people are people and deserve rights and really everybody should have access to everything and it's not that it's it's just. As soon as as soon as he sticks up for the, an aspect of the community that is not widely accepted, he gets drawn down to their level. And in his mind, he's worked hard for all of his acceptance that he has. And now life is so much better. You know, things have has, have improved since the bad old days. And is he really gonna fucking give up all that progress and all of all of the all of his hard won comforts uh, just to stick up for the rights of somebody who just is just a cross dresser because maybe you know Jim is kind of an asshole and sees trans people as just sees trans women as guys in dresses who are trying to peep on women in their bathrooms because that's not uh, not terribly uncommon. Uh, and unfortunately, it's very easy to think that because if if one person falls into one sort of uh, category of um, uh, minority identity that they then have solidarity and empathy for any other aspect, any other category. But that's just not nece- not not true most of the time. How many uh, th- there are there are a lot of so it's 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 respectability politics isn't it it's just queer respectability politics it's the idea that there is a right way to be queer and a wrong way to be queer and basically the community as a whole has reached a level of acceptance that feels like it could be permanent and you now have a number of people who have gotten used to it and so because of the political times that we're in right now, there is very real threat that the whole community could be dragged down 
uh, by an administration that is increasingly becoming fascist and dictatorial, potentially militaristic against its own citizens. I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully not. But maybe, you know, this is America. It's 2018. Uh, but they see that and it's like. Yeah, I mean, it's, it. you know, what I do, I don't have a choice. I'm I'm gay. Uh, but, I, but, you know, I, I don't have a choice but that, but then you look at somebody who's transgender and you can't help but see a choice because it's that, that experience is alien to you. And so it's easy to write that off as like, oh, so they're, they're the sexual perverts. They're the weird ones. And we, we, uh, we shouldn't sacrifice all of the hard, all of our hard work just for their kinks, I guess. And it's it's a blindness that always happens for any group of people that bands together to win representation of some kind. Eventually, some section of them finally becomes powerful enough that, that, that persecution ceases to an extent, but it's never wholly equal. And then the people who are at the bottom of that particular ladder are still crying for equality, but the people who were their allies have now won equality. And they're like, well, we don't want to fight anymore. Come on. We look how much progress we've made. If we, if we keep screaming and yelling, people are going to think that we're ungrateful and then they're going to take back all of the rights that we've won. And then we'll all be out of luck. So you should just swallow your pride and deal with the fact that you get treated like shit all the time, I guess. And so what gets lost in all of this is just generally, we only, as a society, we only tend to embrace subcultures which explicitly or intrinsically reinforce existing hegemonies. And so it really feels like the big one that we're butting up against right now is just gender presentation and gender roles. Which, it seems so silly, but people really, really, really have a lot invested in the idea that you got men and you got women and they have sex and babies. And then anybody, you're born a man, you're born a man, you're born a woman, you're born a woman. You know, it's the, 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 the uh, 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 hot dog, hot dog bun joke from ContraPoints' videos. And it's simple and kind of ascientific and generally, like, who cares? I don't know. Leaving that aside, there is this tremendous pushback against, like, oh, these... I mean, what you know, when it comes to like criticizing social justice warriors, one of the things that always gets brought up is their blue hair. You know, that's one of the that's one of the stereotypes. And it's because it's anything that can be latched onto that's just immediately different from what they call themselves, right? And 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 so that's what that's what we're ranting against. Is justice warriors with your blue hair and your hoop rings and your fruit roll-ups. I don't know. The point is this is not new and it's very frustrating and it needs to be called out every time it happens because we should not by any means take it for granted that gay people will be on our side 
when the Nazis come knocking at our doors, because the gay people at this point are in a position where they're a protected class, you know, more protected than trans people. And when it comes, they're high enough up on the totem pole that they have something to lose. And this is not saying that every gay person is like that. Obviously, I don't think that most people are, but this is sort of where we're at in the discourse. And so for me, I think it's important as we all get older that we are very aware of the rhetoric of our struggles and how we've overcome them or, or failed to overcome them um, and how that rhetoric is reflected in the struggles of people younger than us. So I, I constantly try to ask myself, what is going to be the big civil rights struggle when I am in my 40s? And how will I react to it? Because it's so easy to get frustrated at old people or like, you know, oh, come on. It's it. Why? Why is it so hard for you to just accept the idea that somebody can be transgender? And the answer is just that it, it, well, there are so many answers and we just can't get into all of them. But one element is, you know, when you're younger, your mind is more plastic and it's easier to sort of accept things as a reality, you know, you're, because you're still building up what your idea of reality is. And then eventually you find something that feels solid. And then as you get older, when things start to challenge that identity, you're now in the place your parents were having to like, I don't want to have to rethink my whole universe again. Shut up, guys. Just leave it alone. Why are you complaining? I had to walk uphill six ways in three kinds of snow upside down in a black hole when I was a child. That sort of thing. And so the example that I kind of come back to a lot is what if 10 years down the line, there is a furry civil rights movement that f the furry community has grown so, so large and furry identity so expressed that there are now there's now public discrimination against furries. There's some kind of legislated discrimination against furries. I laugh right now because it's very hard to imagine what that could be. However, maybe, maybe it could happen. I don't know. And ultimately, you know, it's silly. It's easy to laugh at furries. I don't, I, I'm not myself a furry in, in the sense that I like, I'm not, I'm not in the community, but I have been around it so much for so long that I'm, I might as well be, I just, I'm, I don't engage in the furry community. I just watch from the sidelines. So, this is coming from somebody who is already very sentimental, uh, 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 very sympathetic to furries. So keep that in mind. But it's easy to laugh at furries. It's like, oh, there's somebody who identifies as as an animal or whatever. And, uh, oh, sometimes they dress up as, in, in a fursuit and they go out and they're, you know, dressed as this big cartoon otter. And they think that's themselves. Wow, it's so silly. We could go, we could go into that and we won't. But, you know, who gives a shit? 
identity expression is fine. And you know, you might think like, hey, this is really dumb that you're walking around in a mascot costume all day. But guess what? You're not the one doing it. It's none of your fucking business. They're 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 doing it. They're fine. And I think there's I can imagine very easily a knee jerk sort of reversal uh, 10 years from now when it's like, okay, I'm fine with the idea of furries, but you're asking me to say like they can do this thing or that thing and, you know, in public and it's fine. Well, what about etc you know they're a bunch of sex perverts though and it's the same arguments that always get used like when we're trying to delegitimize a group that's fighting for their rights it's like yeah well if we give them their rights they're gonna rape our women they're gonna rape our children they're gonna steal our jobs they're gonna kick us out of our homes are gonna take over our communities keep saying this shit over and over and it's like it's like a lot of those are with trans people, and then there's the idea that like being transgender is a trend, so you have this whole trans trender thing. Yeah, I don't know. We're just we we always use the same things when we're trying to delegitimize uh, a group of people asking for more rights. So we said the same shit about gay people, even when I was in high school. I remember hearing this shit on on TV. Uh, people like pundits, mainstream pundits talking like, but, but gay people are pedophiles. You can't give them rights. And we have to be aware that the same rhetoric that we felt so strongly against that, that, that dehumanized us and helped keep us oppressed for years is the same rhetoric that we then buy into as adults because Whatever this new group is that's asking for more rights, you know, we don't get it. We don't see we we've we've gone through our identity battles and we're on the other side and we're where we want to be. And now there's this new group of people who are like, we want to have bicycle tires for feet and fucking Obama won't let us have the surgery. It's like, well, that's a stupid thing. I don't get it. But, you know, that that's not a good a comparison at all. And I'm sorry. That's the thing is that I'm talking hypotheticals. I cannot imagine th- the next like minority that comes forward and demands more rights. Like wh- I, 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 what, what identity, what identity is that? It's so hard to imagine, which is so why it's so important to, to be aware, because there will be another one. It's not like when trans people reach acceptance and genderqueer people reach acceptance in the wider cultural sphere and all of this gatekeeping is 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 gone away with. It's not like when asexual people when it, it's not like when the entire LGBTQ alphabet soup becomes, you know, embraced by 100% of America that suddenly we're done. And like all of the races have been embraced. We're done. Like there's no more other identities that need to be recognized and embraced. There will always be more and we will not see them coming. And it will be so easy and so tempting to have that same knee jerk reaction of, well, I fought for my, my sense of self. And you're talking about, Oh, this is so hard 
Uh, but you don't know what hard is because I had gender dysphoria for the first 10 years of my life, et cetera, et cetera. And because it's not your experience, because it, it, it comes from somewhere so far outside of your wheelhouse, you have a hard time empathizing, empath- yeah, empathizing with it, that it just, it doesn't, it, it doesn't resonate anymore and you, you can't. It's just it, we have to be aware of how easy it is to to fall on the wrong side of history, and that's what. Yeah, so I think like hashtag drop the tea is kind of a stupid thing, and it's probably not going anywhere, or uh, by by not going anywhere, I mean that the movement isn't going anywhere, like isn't making any progress. God, English language sucks. Um, but that sentiment is still there. And we, it's not enough to fight for our own, you know, acceptance. We have to be aware of other identities and how the same rhetoric used against us is being used against them. And it's like, you know, I don't have to agree with lifestyles. I don't have to, um, I, I don't have to be a part of it to, you know, say it's not hurting anybody. So, yeah, you should have you should have public acceptance. There's no, there's no reason why you shouldn't. So avoid the infighting, um, pay attention and don't be an asshole at pride this year. And like call out trans people. If you think you see them, because Hey, maybe it's just a a queer person cross-dressing. You don't know. You can't know. Everybody should be able to cross-dress. It's fine. Stop acting so weird. Anyway, happy Pride. Thank you so much for listening to the Trans Questioning Podcast. The music that you've heard is by Insane in the Rain. The cover art is by Emily Bumgarner. You can find me on Twitter at HMSNoFun and at TransQPodcast. You can send me an email at TransQuestioningPodcast at gmail.com. Follow me for updates and other things at Patreon.com slash LTAS. And you can support me for as little as a dollar a month. Tell me, pay the bills. Thank you so much for listening. Keep safe. Keep sane. Fight back. Punch not etc etc i'll see you again soon